Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network, the author of Appointed, and a premier contributor for The Blaze. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hello, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. How are you doing out there today? Uh, If you have never caught the show before, I did a daily show here for a while and we decided to move it uh, to a weekly show. I'm I'm hoping uh, you're on your way back from church. Maybe you're heading to a soccer game this Sunday. Whatever it is, how was your Thanksgiving? I need to know. I'm so I wish that you know, sometimes in radio, it'd be really nice to talk back to the people. Um, I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays ever, especially with children. I think it's so important um, to maximize uh, the beauty of the day and what it is all about. You know, that's that's one way to fight entitlement. You be thankful And, um, you know, we certainly are teaching our four little lives um, that, you know, gratitude and being thankful for what we have is um, extremely important, not just in our temporal life, but with our with our God and our father, thankful for salvation. We're thankful for his provision. Um, I had an awesome day, but before uh, before Thanksgiving, we went to Disney World, my family, and um, I put my uh, little heavy baby. She's she's our little baby girl. We have a baby boy and a baby girl. They are nine weeks apart. We adopted them, uh, and we have two biological kids: Grace, Jude, Moses, and Haven. But we put our baby girl in a princess dress at Disney World, and um, you know she's nineteen months old, and it. There's literally nothing better than seeing your children uh, happy, you know, and smiling and and stuff. So anyway, had a great Thanksgiving. We are onward to Christmas. Um, I put up five trees every year. Five. That's right. One, two, three, four, five. And some of you are shaking your head and rolling your eyes. And I don't really care. (laughs) Uh, But this is so funny. My husband looked at me the other day and he said, babe. I think I'm going to buy us a tree for our bedroom. And I was like, you know, that's going to be six trees in our house. And he was like, that's okay. And, you know, from going from my my husband, I've been married 12 years is our 13th married Christmas together. But looking at my husband when we were first married, it was like it was it was hard enough to get him to do one tree. And now he is totally okay with six trees. So uh, let's hear it for my husband, the Christmas hero. Um, You know, it it was pretty amazing. He ordered it. You know, he kind of. Kind of gets online. What are those websites that you get online? Like Woot, I think is what it, our app Woot, and you get it super cheap. I think he was on the Woot app, and it was like you know two dollars for a twelve foot tree or something like that. Anyway, Merry Christmas to you out there. I have a you know my message today has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas, uh, or maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just I love this perspective that we're gonna we're gonna talk about today. Um, some giants. 
Now we talk about giants uh, in the Christian world a lot. I feel I, I get these messages on my Facebook page um, all the time about giants. By the way, please follow follow along on Facebook. I have a page that's super super active. Autumn Miles. I also am the CEO of a women's ministry called the Blush Network. Please follow along on on um, Blush uh, the Blush Network's page as well. You can find me on Instagram. Don't do a ton on Twitter. Kind of feel like it's dying. I'm sure it's not. Don't tweet me and say it's not. But um, anyway, uh, uh, follow along. Uh, we would we would love to talk to you. We also have these awesome society groups. There's ones happening December 8th here in the DFW area. If you'd like to come hear me speak live and get involved in our ministry, you can check out the blushnetwork.com. Anyway, giants. I get messages all the time on my social media that talk about, listen, I have dealt with this huge problem for years and years and years, this giant of fill in the blank. And it's interesting because I feel uh, Satan works, uh, basically, he, he basically has the same strategy for all of us. It just includes different things. Um, you know, your giant is not going to be someone else's giant. You know, um, uh, your giant could be depression or someone else's giant is debt. Okay. Someone else's giant is an addiction. Someone else's giant is, you know, a bad marriage, whatever you fill in the blank to what your giant is. And these giants are very intimidating. Um, you know, they scream at us. They have attitudes with us. Um, they intimidate us. They make us feel like we are insignificant, like we are small. They humble us. Um, so they're, they're you know, humility is kind of a, a, a a good thing, I guess, uh, that could come out of having one of these things. You know, we, we, we are brought very weak because of these giants uh, that, that come up in our lives. And this is, this is a principle in scripture. We see giants in the promised land. We see David fighting the giant, which is what we're going to talk about today. But it is our response to the giant that determines our character. Now, if there is, you know, you get a bill and you owe, you know, $50,000 on back taxes or whatever. I hope that never happens to you. That would be terrible. But if you do get that bill in the mail, all immediately you have a giant and you have two responses to that giant. You can look at it and you can be confident or you can look at it and you can let it overtake you. There will be a response to it. And I, I'm scared. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not scared, but I am maybe scared is the right word of people that don't understand, especially Christian people that literally have the power of God living inside of them via the Holy Spirit that respond um, in defeat with their giant and literally let their giant overtake them rather than responding boldly and courageously and saying, God will bring us through this. I see so much of the former than the latter. I can't do it. I've tried. Okay. Well, yeah, everything in scripture, there's always a fight before the victory. <laughs> That's just a principle. You have to fight before you can even be victorious. Uh, you know, Satan is fighting us. Our flesh is fighting us. But if God has said we have the victory over trials, over giants, it is our job to remember that as we are facing them and work through it. Fight 
through it. I'm really big on walking through the trial rather than going around it. Um, I, 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 I don't like it when um, people sort of try, try to get the easy way out. I know if someone uh, chooses to take the easy route, the easy way out, the um, you know exit ramp before they've even really gone through the heart of the trial, I know that God is going to bring that trial up again to teach them the same lesson again, to grow them, to change them, all those sorts of things. And I see a lot of Christians that are taking the easy way out rather than facing their giant, rather than facing giants. We have a lot of believers that when they're faced with the giant, turn around and run the other way. What is that doing to our Christian culture today? It's tanking it. Where's the courage? Where's the bravery? If God says we're victorious, my goodness gracious, face it, overcome it and move on to what God has next for you. The people that turn around and run away, that's not a good example um, for the people in the world. Who would want to be a Christian today? If we look at our giants and our problems and the things that are bigger than us, we look at them, they intimidate us and we turn around and we run the other way. We're, we, would, we will be the laughing stock as are we the laughing stock in some areas because Christians are not assuming victory. They are accepting defeat when God has said, I will give you victory. So, and in the vein of Christmas, <laughs> just kidding. We're not in the vein of Christmas at all. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the month. Um, I, I want, I want to just um, give you, give you the two responses based on the scripture. Numbers 13 says this. Verse 25, now the spies, there was 12 spies sent into the promised land. Of course, you may know the story, but don't check out. Hopefully this is going to be interesting to you today. The, um, Moses sent 12 spies. Now, now God had already said, this is, this passage is just, <laughs> I love it. Um, but God had already said, they didn't have to send the spies. Like, you know, they sent spies for several reasons, you know, to map out how we're going to get in there, you know, blah, 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 blah. They need, they need information and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, and so I understand from that perspective, um, but Moses sent these 12 spies into the land basically because, you know, the people were like, hey, let us go in there and look at it. So, but God had told them before the spies ever went into the land, you will be victorious. You will be victorious. The voice of the Lord had told Moses and had told the people, you will. This is your promised land. They had been walking for years and 40 years to get to a place to even go into the promised land to look around. They knew their, their objective was the promised land. They were they they were at the point where they could um, send spies into the promised land. It was it was a known fact. It was in the culture of Israel that they will overtake the land. That was the whole reason why they left Egypt to overtake the land. It was it was um, how can I make this any clearer to you? It was waiting for them. So, but of course, in our human stupidness, sometimes um, we spend, send 12 spies in the land to look around and make sure now, God, let me just make sure, let me make sure that, um, that we're going to overtake. I know you said this for 40 years. I know this is why you brought me out of Egypt, you know, to walk into the promised land, but let me just make sure. Okay. So they sent these 12 spies in the land. And I mean, I'm not making fun because I have been one of these spies that came back with a bad report. I just want to um, stir you to overcome your giants today. Verse 20. 25 says this when they returned let me back up to verse 23 because i love this point they went into the land they came then they came to the valley of eshkol 
And from there, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. Now, you have to pay attention to the details of, of, in Scripture because I'm obsessed. A single cluster of grapes. And they carried it, listen, listen, on a pole between two men with some pomegranates and some figs. A single cluster, a single cluster of grapes took two men to haul. That's how milk and honey flowing this promised land is. A single cluster. It didn't say, you know, 50 pounds from Kroger. A single cluster from the promised land, two men on a pole had to carry. I just think that that's so interesting. Um, That place was called the Valley of Eshgal because of the cluster, which the sons of Israel cut down from there. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregations of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus, they told them, we went into the land where you sent us, where you sent us. We're going to come back to that. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is his fruit. They are confirming what God had already said. Listen, I'm going to send you in the land. It's going to flow. It's going to provide for you. It's going to be amazing. I have prepared it for you. So they want their first breath is, yeah, we went into the land and God was right, guys. God was right. Good job, God. God was right. It does flow with milk and honey. And check out my whopping huge grapes that are just dangling from this pole. And it's one little cluster. Check it out, guys. Check it out. You know, God God actually did know what he was talking about. So good job, God. Gold star for the day. Nevertheless, the people who live there, and this is where they get whiny, are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So here they start off in confirming God's word, seeing that, in fact, it is everything God said it was going to do. But once they saw the descendants of Anak and Amalek and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Canaanites, that spoke larger to them than God. So there were actually physically giants living in the land and that giant, even though they were told multiple, multiple times, you will take it, you will overcome it. The first thing they did is so interesting. This report was they confirmed everything God said, but in the second breath, they spoke fear over the people rather than faith. And when we look and and it's so interesting, we look and, you know, there's an opportunity that comes our way to start a ministry, start a business, have a baby, do this, do that. And God sort of paves the way to do this huge miraculous thing in your life. And you're staring at it. And yes, it is all God says it can be. And yes, it is. But what if name your giant? And that, you know, you start talking about it just like they did. They told the whole congregation of Moses and Aaron. I'm sure Moses was like, oh, Why did I do this? Why did I send these spies into the land? But they told the whole congregation, then chatter begins. 
And then you're open, um, got what God has said in his promises, open up to um, uh, someone else looking in on the situation and giving their opinion. I feel like we, I, I don't feel, I, I, hate, I hate that term. I know today that we fall by man's opinion on the daily people. Israel uh, was looking and they started to chatter and they started to freak out. And, and um, the, the, the 10 spies response was we will be overcome. We will be overcome. And here it, it, it makes them um, really in that moment they choose. We're not abiding by God's promise. We are 100%, even though we've confirmed God's word through the fruit, we're 100% going to decide to give into our fear and to give into this giant. Are the giants in our lives intimidating? Was Anak, I'm sure the descendants of Anak were huge. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I probably wouldn't want to meet one of them in a back alley one day. Yes, I'm sure they were huge, but God had said you will overcome them. And we know later in the story, um, Caleb got up and he tried to calm everybody down and Joshua and Caleb had a good report and they said, yes, we can go in there and overcome them. But the 10 response was, we will be overcome. And I just, I just pause. I want to pause today and say, is this where you're at with your giants? We are overcome. Are you swimming? Are you, uh, are you overwhelmed? Understand the same God that eventually did give the Israelites uh, the promised land as they fought City by city by city is the same God that's going to give you your promised land today. Do not be tempted and give in to being overcome. Because we know the God who overcame things for us. Um, I'm going to move. I want to talk about this just, just super, super quick. In verse 27, it said, they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit this line where you sent us it really uh plays on um just my mind today where you sent us you you hear you hear that where you were you um very negative i i when we're faced with a giant it's really, really easy rather than to step up, to bow up, to put our chest out and say, I can overcome you because my God is victor is victorious. When fear creeps in, so does blame. So does frustration. And when they say this, where you sent us, it's very interesting. If you, if you need a, a sort of a measuring stick to tell, are you being overcome by your giants or are you overcoming? This would be something um, that I would just sort of check in your spirit. Are you blaming someone else for something that didn't go the way you wanted it to go? Where you is this blame factor in there? Are you defensive um, to uh, to anyone in the situation? Are you defensive about the situation? Um, that's a real, real good telltale sign that you are being overcome 
by your giant. I, I hear this all the time, this blame thing, this blame going back and forth. Well, um, we wouldn't be in this debt if my wife didn't have a spending problem. It's her fault. And, you know, she just needs to do this, that, and the other. No, it's not a blame game. You, if you're in the situation, bow up, step up to the situation, do the work, trust that God will give you victory, uh, and stop b- pointing other fingers. I have this addiction. And, you know, if, if when I was six years old, I was, I was exposed to pornography. And, you know, if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have this addiction. You know what? Suck it up. Stop blaming your childhood. Step up to the plate. Do the work and claim victory in Jesus name. There's this blame game going on. I've got this giant because of this. I've got this giant because of that. You know what? You know what that you know what that does? It delays being victory victorious over the giant. Blaming does not. um Shrink the giant, overcome the giant. It makes it bigger, okay? I just feel like I need to say that today because there's a lot of blaming going on, you know. Next next look at the situation. I want you to go to 1 Samuel if you're in your car and happen to have your Bible or look up your, your handy-dandy little phone. 1 Samuel 17 says this. As I'm, I'm looking to, to it as well. Here we have David. Now we have the 10 that come. They're overcome by the fact that the the descendants of Anak, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, all those people are in the land. They are overcome. God gets mad. They don't get to go into the land. They, 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 get, they get mad, okay? Um, there is consequence for all of that negative activity. Um, they Their response was to be overcome by the giant. And here we have David. I feel like this is such a great parallel um, in 1 Samuel 17. 26. Now, David was tending sheep. He went to bring his brother's food. And all of a sudden, here we have this huge giant called Goliath of Gath that had been tormenting the, the entire army of Israel for 40 days. He came out every day and he was like, you know, he like barked, you know, who is going to come up against me, blah, 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 blah. Well, David's um, caught this crazy man um and and he had a lot of questions about this crazy man um and um and he was wondering okay why is no one standing up to this guy are we not israel are we not the nation of israel so this is what he says in first samuel 17 26 then david spoke to the men who were standing by him saying what will be done for the man who kills this philistine and takes away the reproach of israel for who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should taunt the armies of the living God. Now, you see two totally different perspectives. Ten spies, they kind of folded. David's question was, who is this guy? Does he know who he is dealing with? Why is he taunting us? Why would he taunt the armies of the living God? I love that perspective. The 10 spies came in overcome. David is already on the scene as an overcome er. Who is this guy? Verse 32, you know, they, they kind of look at him like he's a moron and they're like, okay, David, go mess with your sheep. They get kind of mad at him. And Saul tries to help him out, King Saul. Even King Saul wouldn't step up to the plate. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes leaders in our lives don't even step up to the plate when we need them to. Sometimes it takes us, it's just normal people, to step up 
And to say the hard thing and to do the hard thing, man, does God honor that. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. What courage. Let no man's heart fail on account of this enormous person who is taunting the armies of your servant will go and will fight with the Philistines. And of course, Saul says, you're not able, you're not, you, you need my armor. You need this, that, or the other. But, and David says, no, I don't need any of that. Um, I'm going to go up and I'm going to take a few stones and I'm going to face this dude um, straight in the face. And we see him in verse 45, He's standing. Uh, it's called opponent. They fought. Um, um, it was like an, an opponent fight. Okay. There was one versus the other. There weren't, there weren't armies. It was just David versus uh, Goliath. Then David said to the Philistines, he came face to face with them. This was his response. You come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted this day. The Lord will deliver. Deliver you up into my hand and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And then it says a bunch of gross, gross stuff. His response was not, oh, you know, um, no, they're big and they're going to overcome me. He, he went, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. And we look down to verse 50, 50, and he takes his little stone, verse 49, and he throws the tiny little pebble and it sinks directly in his forehead, which probably was really gross. And verse 15 says this, thus David prevailed. Because this, he looked at the giant and his response was totally different from the 10. His response was, I will overcome them. Not by my might, not by my power. He overcome came Goliath by the power of the living God. So he was faced with the giant. He was an overcomer. The 10 were faced to, with the giant and they were overcome. And I wonder what your position is today is where you are facing some sort of a giant. Maybe I'm, I'm just believing that that somebody is in their car today and maybe you're crying right now. Well, let me tell you something. Change your perspective to be overcome, to be an overcomer, because who is this giant that should taunt the believer in Christ? It's your day to overcome. Love you so much. I will see you next week right here on The Autumn Miles Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for The Autumn Miles Show on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.